Welcome to the Mistress Reality Checklist. So it turns out the person you've been dating is married. What do you do? Well, rule number one is you run, run like hell. But if it's too late and you are already invested, then you should give yourself a reality check and pay attention to my list of rules. I cultivated these rules after watching countless women get dragged through the mud after they either came forward as the mistress or were outed as the mistress. And while this podcast is not designed to create a mistress or tell you how to be a better one, it is here to empower any person who, while they may have lost control of their heart, they can still be in control of their head. Hey, everybody. I am Christine Pfeiffer-Stocky, along with... Dan Stocky. And welcome to the Mistress Reality Checklist, where we give out good advice based on relationships that were bad ideas. So, how are we doing, yeah? We're doing really well. I'm looking forward to this. <laughs> okay, good. I'm excited. I have no idea what's coming at me, and so uh, always... Always fun to be sitting in a hot seat. Okay. Well, you're not necessarily in the hot yeah, seat. Yeah, I know I'm not in the hot you seat. You just have a you have a male perspective. I have a female perspective. Um, yeah, I always get the perspective of the cad. Well. <laughs> which is fine. Which is fine. I know but, who I am. You know. Uh, so let's just talk about real quick about what this podcast is about. This is not a, hey, go out, become a mistress because you're going to make bank and it's going to be great. This is really a podcast that was born um, out of me believing that women... Um, sometimes believing, which well, is always, a, <laughs> believing. I can't let that one just happen. All right, fine. This is, you know, this you is were, unscripted guys. Yeah, I know. Okay. So, so you were believing, uh, believe me, uh, uh, believing that women that get themselves into these situations often are clouded by love relationships and they're not looking at the big picture, uh, meaning they're not protecting themselves. Mm. So, this is sound advice, whether you're in a relationship where it's three people, you know, you, him and the wife, or if you're just in a straight up relationship where you should always, regardless of your gender, make sure that you're taken care of one way or the other. So what you're, what you're trying to say is that this advice is good if you're a mistress or if you're just someone dating. Dating, married, living together. So uh, all of the above. So that's how I preface every start of a podcast is this is not a, Hey, this is how you go snag a rich married man or woman. In some cases, this is really about, Hey, if you find yourself in a relationship that appears to be very one-sided, make sure you're on your side. Okay. So without further ado, we are going to start off with the story of Betty Phillips. Betty Phillips. And Betty Phillips was the other woman slash mistress to a man by the name of C.C. Wang. C.C. Wang. And I always feel the need to just repeat. Well, it's important. It's like one of those salient points. It's it's like whenever you watch a soap opera, they always kind of even reality shows, they go back to something. So you don't forget what they were talking about before. Mm. So I always find that names are important, you know, just sort of like we'll we'll beat you over the head with these people's names so you know exactly who we're talking about all the time. That's probably a good idea. So if I repeat their names, uh, this is just for emphasis. Yeah, but not the entire podcast, please. Okay. So, okay. So CC Wang, let's start out. Let's start with uh, who he was. Yes, please. Um, I'll actually just start with like kind of give you an idea of where this is going to go. So uh, this is a story that involves an affair Ooh. that went on for over 20 years. That's a nice um, affair. That's a, that's a, <laughs> yeah, but like most of these, it didn't end well because it also, there's that's a, very true. But if we're just going to go on the, on the, the length of it, 20 years, yes, is a good, a 20 a good years one. is a good, is a good run for any relationship, whether you're living together and married or a mistress. So it, this is a story about a relationship that went on for 20 years, uh, a deathbed get lost letter, a $120 million estate, mm. a world famous fashion designer daughter, Wang. You're talking about Vera. Vera Wang. Ooh. And surprise, surprise, a lawsuit. So without further ado. No, this- no, hold on. <laughs> hold on. A mistress, a uh, uh, relationship ending up in a lawsuit. lawsuit. That, right. That really the, the, surprised if, me. If that this, throws me for If this shit didn't happen, I wouldn't have a podcast. So, you know. Uh, That's very true. Yeah, yeah, God so bless them all. God bless them all. So this is the story of Cece Wang and his mistress, Betty Phillips. Okay, okay, so uh, Chang Ching Wang or Cece Wang uh, was born in Peking, China in 1918. 
And after, and this is just to give you a little background because just of like who we're talking about here. Um, after serving in the Chinese military, he came to the U.S. and obtained a master's degree from MIT. Oh, yeah, so, so smart guy. Smart cookie. This Let's dude. just talk about that. Most of these stories start off with people being very smart, very smart. And that's not to take anything away from the other person in a relationship, but you're usually dealing with somebody that's very smart. So just remember Wayne that. got rich for a reason. Right. So uh, he went to MIT, he got a degree in chemical engineering, and then he went on to work for places like DuPont and Firestone. Mm. In 1947, he returned to China and together with his three best mates from MIT, uh, went on to build an international pharmaceutical distribution business. Jeez, Malone, that just sounds difficult. And more, a trading company. Oh. An oil refining business. What? And then eventually he amassed a fortune over $100 million, which let's just talk about that timetable too. This is 2022 when this podcast is being recorded. So $100 million uh, four decades ago, you know, it's probably worth $10 billion right now, unless you're in Bitcoin. (laughs) (laughs) But he put it all in Bitcoin. And and story's over. (laughs) All right. Thank you for listening. Have a good day. He was very educated, very smart. Uh, and the other thing I like about this too is that he started the company with his three best friends from MIT. So there was that camaraderie there. So uh, all in all, a pretty decent guy. In 1942, mm-hmm. Cece married Florence Wu. And together they had two children, Kenneth and Vera. Kenneth and Vera. Yeah. That, yeah mm-hmm. As we said before, that Vera Wang. Um, I like Florence Wu. A little <laughs> <laughs> Florence Wu Chang. Um, uh, in fact, this is another, uh, funny little sidebar is that, uh, when Vera Wang, Vera Wang started off in the wedding business because she was looking for a wedding dress and there was nothing that she liked. And she was like, I can do better, which by the way, that's a great thing. If you think you can do better, go out there and do it. That's how every business starts. It's like, I'm I'm looking for something and- I can do better. Uh, the other thing was that she started her brand at the age of 40, which, hey, second act, amazing. You know, I mean, like uh, women, men at 40. I think that she, that was her big- kind of claim to fame to begin with is that she started this company yeah, later, later in life, later in life, quote, unquote, later, later in life. Yeah. Cause 40 is the new 20 now. Um, but here's, here's where I'm always like, Oh boy. Um, her, her sole backer at the time was CC Wang. So no. it's not like she bootstrapped herself up and got an SBA, you know, <laughs> <laughs> went to the local entrepreneur fund and said, Hey, yeah, I wonder what the interest rate on that loan. But was. Hey man, talent is talent. And you know, she did it. So anyway, so, I digress. So uh, Cece is married to Florence Wu. They have their two children, Kenneth and Vera. Um, and then uh, in 1980, Cece is about 40 years into that marriage with Florence. Um, but it was also when he met Betty Phillips. And in 19- I'm sorry, how long was he in the relationship with He was Florence? about 40 years into the marriage, almost 40 years, because they got married in like 41, 42, I think. Oh, wow. Um, yeah. So he was... They were young. They were like 21 when they got married. You know? So he starts this this uh, uh, mistress relationship when he's six. He's in his 60s, right? So he's, okay. he's in his early 60s. And at the time, uh, Betty Phillips was roughly 30 years younger than him. We don't really know her exact age, uh, but she was, you know, she was in her late 20s, early 30s. And again, age ain't nothing but a number. But just to kind of, again, paint the picture here, right? Older dude, younger gal. Yep. There <laughs> you go. Textbook. Uh, so he meets Betty Phillips and at the time Betty was, uh, a young mother. Uh, she had a daughter named Jennifer and she was also at the time a wife to a very abusive husband. Mm. Um, no one knows for sure how Betty and Cece met. Um, but we do know that from the minute they met, they were both pretty smitten with each other right from the get go. So it was a mutual thing. Um, from what we know. Um, so they're, you know, he's married, she's married, they're having this affair. Mm -hmm. And at some point, Cece, and we don't know why, uh, convinced Betty to get a divorce. And it was probably sound advice because Betty, again, was abusive, abusive, you know, it's it's not a a good look. And if you, if you're in love with this person, or if you have an affection toward this person, you don't want to see them being treated like this. So, um, so to a certain extent, I mean, she's finding some protection in CC, you know, yeah, yeah. like a more livable lifestyle. Yeah. And again, just to kind of like jump forward and do the spoiler alert, you know, this affair went on for nearly three decades. So there was, it wasn't just like, hey, you do this. It was sort of like, oh, you know, girl, you're in a bad relationship. This is not going well. I have feelings for you. Get out. So, um, 
Betty does what Cece asks. And I want to also say that it's not like, it, it was a smart idea. You know what I mean? So it wasn't just, she was just like, oh, Cece, whatever you say, Cece. She was like, I don't know why I'm in this relationship. Anyway, I got this guy that's willing, you know, I love him. He's taking care of me. He's a good guy. I'm out. So. Yeah. It sounds like a good plan on her part. Yep. Uh, uh, so she divorces the guy, she quits her job. So she could become, you know, CC's full-time mistress. Uh, no one knows what her job was. I haven't been able to find anything on that. So if you know what Betty Phillips's job was, that'd be great. But she did work. She did have a career. So but she gave that up once she once met CC and she became a full-time mistress. Yes. Right. So she gave up her career. She left her husband, Rightfully so. And then, uh, so over the course of the next 20 years, Betty and Cece went on to do exactly what you think any obscenely rich guy and his mistress would do. They traveled the world. Um, he flew her everywhere she wanted to go. They went on vacations together. He gave her cash, gave her jewelry, gave her the black American Express card. She got the black she American Express. She got the black Express. one. Wow. Yeah. Uh, That's he, a... That's that's impressive. He bought her an apartment. He bought her an apartment in Singapore. There's <laughs> the jersey. He bought her an apartment in Singapore. He bought her an apartment in Singapore. Uh, he I like the jersey better, quite frankly. <laughs> sometimes yes, sometimes no. Uh, he provided her with cars, a driver, and then he also uh, paid for the schooling for her daughter, Jennifer, and also, um, for lack of a better word, the maintenance, you know, so Jennifer's, uh, you know, clothes and, you know, he basically became a de facto dad paying, you know, yeah, so he, what alimony and child support would do. So he ends up being like a second, he has a second family. Yeah, yeah. Really. And I would say that again, because you have to say to yourself, anything that goes on for 20 plus years and you're taking care of the daughter that isn't your blood. You know, what is family? Define family, right? Mm, so yeah, that's a good question. Betty is holed up in Singapore. Uh, Betty she, is from Singapore. She's from Singapore. Okay. Yeah. Well, I don't know if she's from Singapore. They met in Singapore. Let's just say that because, again, not a whole lot is known exactly about Betty, like her job and her exact age and all that. But we do know the we knew we do know the peripheral. OK, so she's in Singapore. He buys her an apartment in Singapore. Um they do travel together, takes her on vacations. Uh, occasionally, Betty would go to visit Cece at any one of his residences. He had six. He had six residences. That's a good way of like making sure your different families don't uh, meet well, each if, other. Well, if, if you can do it, right? <laughs> uh, he had one in Westchester, New York. He had one in Southampton, New York. He had one in Palm Beach. Uh, he had his own place in Singapore. One in Shanghai and uh, what I consider maybe the crown jewel of his uh, real estate profile is a duplex. It was a duplex at 740 Park Avenue in New York City. Oh, and okay. That, that's a, that's a that is a, that is a perimeter address in New York City. Uh, and I, I, there's this book, 740 Park. 740 pork, uh, 740, or 740 park. park <laughs> like you wanted to say it to begin like with. Like I wanted to say it, like all of a sudden it came out. Uh, but it's a great book. Uh, I, I, uh, you know, Dan, maybe my crack research team can get on and find out who the author is, but it basically researches the people that built the building, who lived in that building and who continues to live in this building. It's a very wealthy address. So he has all these homes and, you know, they would uh, travel together. And when Betty did come to visit him. When Betty would come to visit, visit him. him whether it's in Westchester, Southampton, okay. Palm Beach, Palm Shanghai, Shanghai, Park Avenue, Park Avenue, Cece would make sure it was when his wife and kids were not around. Right. So he's definitely doing family bingo here. He's right, right, <laughs> right, 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 right. And at the time, you know, uh, like Vera Wang, I think was born in 1949. So she was probably, you know, not exactly living under the, under the roof, but at the same time, he was very careful to make sure that paths didn't cross. Yeah. So she was very much, um, you know, yeah, I suppose. Yeah, that, that's, that's a good point to make here is that Vera and the other, the son is Kenneth. Kenneth yeah. Vera and Kenneth are grown ass adults. At yeah. This so point. if we're talking 1980, if, if I'm correct, that Vera Wang was born in 1949, which I'm pretty sure she was, um, that makes her 21, 31, 31, no, wait, Oh God, 49, <laughs> 49 and 80 is 21. So 21. So yeah. So she's, you know, she's no, 31. Yeah, you're right. 31. Thank you very much. Well, my but. crack staff is on it. <laughs> my crack math staff. All right. So she's born in 49. Yeah, okay. So 49, 49, what makes her now? Because I think she's like in her 70s now. So that's about right. Right. That tracks, right? Yeah. Sure. Okay. Yeah. So she was born in 49. Yeah, you're so it makes her, it makes her 11 in 1980, right? <laughs> we'll be right back with more of the Mistress Reality Check List. 
Welcome back to the Mistress Reality Check List. F- yeah, you're right. 31. Thank you very much. Well, my yeah. crack staff is on. <laughs> my crack math staff. <laughs> All right. So she's born in 49. Yeah, okay. So 49, 49, what makes her now? Because I think she's like in her 70s now. So that's about right. Right? That tracks, right? Yeah. Sure. Okay. Yeah. So she was born in 49. Yeah, you're going to have so to do makes that her, math in my head. It makes her 11 in 1980, right? <laughs> <laughs> she, she was somewhere between the ages uh, of 11, 11 and 70. And, uh, there you go. Uh, okay. So, so Betty and, and Cece are getting along great uh, for 20 plus years. They were having a ball. She wanted for nothing. She was given everything she asked for. The only thing she wasn't given was a ring on her finger, but she was okay with that. Mm-hmm. Um, she knew that Cece would never leave his wife and she, so she was very cool with being a mistress. She was very she cool with being role. a mistress. She knew her role. She knew the rules. She knew her role and her rules. And um, she was okay playing second fiddle to Florence. Um, and really at the end of the day, not only did Betty find a provider for her daughter, a companion. She also received financial security. So, I mean, you know, not all of this, and again, I hate to say this, but it doesn't always come down to finance, but that's part of the reason why this podcast exists. It's like, you know, you know, love is great. Love is grand, but there's a lot of other things involved, especially when you divorce your husband and you quit your career to take up with a guy just to kind of preface that. So over the, she was very well compensated, very well taken care of mentally, physically, emotionally, and financially. So then fast forward. So they meet in 1980 in 2004, Florence passed away. Mm-hmm. And it was at that time that Betty felt, well, okay, you know, Florence is gone. Maybe it's the time that I enter into the world with Cece. Maybe it's, you know, so two, we, 2004. In- so they're 24 years into their relationship. Not, not Florence. Uh, Florence was, let's see, they got married in the 40s. So we're talking, Dan, do the math. (laughs) (laughs) They had a 60 year marriage, basically, give or take. But, uh, but Betty was 20 plus years into the relationship with Cece when Florence passed away. Okay. And um, so at that point with the missus out of the picture, uh, Betty thought, whoa, I've done my time. And it was finally Cece's moment to make. She's been sitting on the, she's been sitting on the bench for 20 plus years. Yeah, a beautiful Throw me in, golden coach. bench with a black Amex card with a car and a driver that drives you to the bench and you pay for it. No, he pays for it. Then you take out your black Amex card and then order the lobster roll. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, so she's been sitting on. She's been sitting on a really, really nice bench. Right. Uh, so the problem here was that CC was not going to have any of it. Um, he basically, as I say, refused to make an honest woman out of his loyal mistress. Um, and of course he's, he's old at this point now too. He's like, yeah, he's, let's see if he's born in 1919, do the math down. Um, he's in his eighties. Yeah. He's in his eighties, which by the way, 80 isn't old now. I mean, Jane Fonda's tearing it up and she's 80. Very very true. But 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 like at that point he's probably like, I'm, I'm not getting married again. And, And you know, and we don't know what his reasons were. We don't know because, um, you know, without going too far down a rabbit hole, I also think that, well, does he want people to know that he's had this mistress for all, if, if he brings her into public, you know, oh, it could have been like, hey, we met yesterday and now we're dating, but odds are people would find out about it. And that in his head, he probably was thinking it, no matter what happens here, it's going to taint my reputation. It's going to, somehow it's going to get out and somehow it's just better off just her not knowing, which spoiler alert. Um, mm, yeah, but it, it makes sense. It yeah, makes sense. It makes it sense, makes sense because it's going to go one way or the other. Either he's going to pretend that he just started dating her and he doesn't know if he wants to go down that route or is it going to come out that he's had this woman on the side for all these years and the the picture that he was painting to his family friends business associates the world is not who he was so that's always a consideration so um the bigger issue was that cc not only did not want to marry her he had no interest in integrating her into his family so even after betty after even florence was gone uh it wasn't like betty was dating him or he his wanted, plus he, one anywhere. Yeah. He wanted, he wanted to maintain that mistress relationship, right. the hidden relationship, the hidden relationship. He didn't want anybody to know about it for reasons we don't know, but um, she wasn't even given, you know, she wasn't even given the, 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 the satisfaction of, Hey, I'm not going to marry you, but now we can at least go to the opera together. We yeah. can, you know, we can be seen together. So now this didn't last very long. This sort of, 
are you going to marry me? You're not going to marry me. Can I come to your house? Do your kids know about us? Because six months after the death of Florence, so we're talking 2004. So we're talking, she had her death like January, February had her death. She passed away. <laughs> she, had <her> <laughs> she had her death. She sent out her <laughs> little invitations. I'll be dying on this day. Um, so six months after that, we're talking June, July of 2004. Um, Cece has a stroke. Oh, and no. um, at the time of his stroke, he was in New York. And I believe he was at a Southampton home, uh, but he was in, he was in one of his homes in New York sure. and she was in Singapore. So when she heard that he had had this stroke and it was apparently a pretty bad one, mm-hmm. she hopped on a plane and uh, rushed to his side. And as yeah, any oh, dutiful mistress should. As any caring, loving person in a relationship should. Uh, and yes, it was his Southampton home. So South, Southampton, New York. Um, she gets there and you know, she's devastated. He's had this stroke. She's concerned. And instead of getting like this heartwarming reception reunion, she was given the iciest of receptions by people in the room, which included Cece's family and the nurse. So, geez. So, so, so from this story, from, from what we can piece together is that this poor woman, Betty, never known by the family. Uh, allegedly. Yes. Just completely hidden. Yeah. And, And if she is known, it's, it's sort of no she, one talks about she, it. No one talks about it. So here, here's CC on his deathbed, right? And all of a sudden, the mistress bursts into the room filled with his family. Well, we don't know if she burst, but she well, came like, to visit him. Right? Hold on, let's let's. She, no, she, I want to set up. I want to. I want to set a really cool scene here. Here's Cece That's on the deathbed. That's how I see it. I see yeah. she comes running in. She, you know, surra- she drops her bags on the ground, and she's like, "Cece, oh my god!" And the whole family's there. Don't leave me. And Vera is going. Who is this woman? Whoa, no, no, no. You're jumping ahead now. You're jumping ahead. I'm jumping ahead, okay. You're jumping ahead. All right, so maybe- Because at this point, the jig was a little bit up, as you will hear. Oh, well, okay. Going forward. Let's let's hear it. it. So in the room is Cece's family. Um, Mm -hmm. And so she gets there, and they're all there, and they're all kind of giving her the death glare. And uh, instead of getting a big old hug or a big old, thank God, Betty, you're here, she got a letter. A letter. A letter. Oh, no. I'm going to read it to you. Oh, no. In its entirety. Oh, all right. So settle in. Everybody get yourself a a little uh, sip of water or whatever. Here we go. Dear Betty, thank you for your visit. As you know, my health and physical condition is not what it used to be. Under the present circumstances, I thought it best that I set forth for you my understanding of our relationship. I am hopeful that you will find the nature of this straightforward letter to be a way of clarifying our long-term friendship. I have told my children, and by this letter, I am making it absolutely clear to you, as I did in the past, that I have no intention of marrying you and that under no circumstance whatsoever will we ever be married to each other. Further, I have already adequately provided for you financially, and there'll be no further financial transfers from me to you. Please confirm that you waive any claim of any kind or nature against me, my family, or my estate. I have decided to spend the rest of my life surrounded by my children and grandchildren and have no desire to upset that situation in any way. My children have more than adequately provided for my health care, and I do not want you to interfere with those arrangements in any way. Please also instruct your daughter, Jennifer, not to visit or contact me or any of my children as this disturbs the balance of my family life. In essence, our relationship can no longer be what it used to be. And consequently, it is my wish for you to not visit me in the United States. Please do not take the formality of this letter as an affront to you, but only as a way of preserving the memories we have of our friendship over the past years. I would appreciate your signing the copy of this letter indicating your agreement to the foregoing. Sincerely, C.C. Wang. I'll read that last line again. I would appreciate your signing the copy of this letter indicating your agreement to the foregoing. Sincerely, C.C. Wang. Ouch. I just want to say... Oh, yeah, so there's your there, there's your deathbed, dear Jane. Letter basically saying, "Hey, we had a friendship. It was great, but you I, know." So I think we can dissect this just a little bit more here. Uh, interestingly enough, so it indicates in this letter that he has told his family of her existence, and or 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 as I say, his family's like pop the jig is up, right? But but so it's only six months after Florence passes away, correct? Right, so. What maybe happened is he says, he gives it some time after Florence's death and says, hey, fam, I got this gal on the side and I kind of want to integrate her into the family. And the fam goes, no way in hell, Pop. That's one way. Because that letter seems to indicate um, that 
the family is indeed aware of her existence. Right. And at what time they were aware, mm, mm, that, nobody yeah, knows, right? That's very true. Was it was it did he have the stroke and then he basically confesses or did someone spill the beans cuz he was, oh, yeah, you know, that's so like there's any way they could have found out. And like I said, they might have known for a very long time. I mean, who knows? Um you know, it's always, it's, okay. you never know who knows and when they know pretty much. So she is there. The kids are all there and keep in mind, she had never really formally met the kids, you know, the grandkids, yeah. you know, she knew of them. So there they are in the flesh and she's like, what the F is going on? And she's handed this, handed this letter and Cece wants her to sign it. And Betty signed it. Oh, signed it right no. there. She signs the letter, signed oh, the letter, signed the letter. Death blow. And I don't think they went and they had lemonade afterward. Let's just say that. Right. <laughs> so, yeah. That doesn't sound like a, like, woo, yay, we signed the contract. Yeah. So I think it's one of those things where she signed the letter and then pretty much turned on her heels and left because she was persona non grata. I mean, it was pretty obvious by the family, you know, as she called it the icy reception, um, the letter. I don't think she was there very long. Yeah. That doesn't sound like a, yeah. a, a good time. So, uh, the good news is CC recovered from his stroke and, um, Interestingly enough, even though Betty, he gave her this letter, she signed the letter, they still had contact with each other. Hmm. So he recovers from his stroke and he's able to travel again. And whenever he was in Asia slash Singapore, he would make sure to see Betty, to go see Betty in the flesh. Hmm. So uh, also during this time, uh, after he had the stroke and he recovered, uh, Betty decided that she was going to get into letter writing herself. And <laughs> <laughs> she took up a new hobby, she letter did. writing. Putting things in writing. Oh, that's um, nice. So in these letters, she referenced the agreement uh, and um, in, in referencing that and kind of how she went about it, that was kind of, it'll be important down the road. So in January of 2005, and just kind of keep in mind, you know, Florence passes away in yeah, so this Early is another six months. Another six months after his stroke and the poison pen, deathbed, dear Jane letter, uh, which, you know, surprise, he survived. Um, in January of 2005, Betty wrote to Cece, the ultimate distress that struck me beyond redemption was when you presented me with your letter for my signature in the presence of your family and nurse. A copy of that all caps, letter is attached for your easy reference. Mm. Later, your apology and explanation were most unnecessary as I confirmed the class of man you are that you do not deserve my respect. You deserve the happiness to be surrounded by your loving children and grandchildren as you so desired and expressed in your letter. Now, in that letter, I find it's very interesting that she mentions your apology for what it's yes. worth, for what it's worth. So what it sounds like is that, okay, Cece writes this letter you know, for, it sounds like to, for the benefit of his family, right? then he survived. Yay. He's like, well, boy, I kind of miss my, my uh, mistress here. Right. And so goes to, to try to make, I miss my mistress, but maybe, maybe he had a moment of like, wow. Um, yeah, miss my relationship. No, I done her dirty. I mean, she comes all the way from Singapore to be my deathbed and I hand her this letter and you know, whether he felt guilt or, or he missed his mistress or. Cause this is again, a long-term relationship, 20 plus years, you know, that you can't just turn that off. Betty never, never threatened him. She never said, you know, you either divorce your wife or I'm coming clean. You know, she never, she never asked for more than she was. All she did was when Florence passed away want to get married. Right. And then, and even that she backed off of, then she was like, Hey, can I just be your plus one? Yeah. Take me to the opera. Take me to, you know, or, yeah. Yeah. But it, yeah, it sounds like he writes this letter, comes back later on and says, Hey, I, I didn't mean it. I apologize. Blah, blah, blah. She writes a letter going, you know, dude, the, the letter still exists. Right. You're kind of being a dick. Right. Back off. Right. And whatever her motives were, we're not sure, but I could also read it that. So, um, she also writes in a letter that uh, she believed that Cece lied to her when she said he promised that they would one day marry. And we all say things. You know? mm-hmm. um, she felt him betrayed and embarrassed that Cece let her on and would never make an honest or honorable woman out of her. And I quote from one of the letters. Um, and by the way, I'm going to read it uh, as she wrote it. So the spelling or the, or the word might be wrong. So I'm, I'm reading it as she wrote it. Just keep that in mind. Sure. This final decision is inevitable and long overdue. I wish to be true to myself being an honorable Chinese lady. I cannot carry on with this charade any further, but to honor the intent of your letter duly signed by both of us. Uh, then in September of 2005, uh, Betty wrote CC acknowledging again that she signed the letter saying our relationship ended when you made me sign that letter. 
on that fateful day, 15th, July, 2004. So, um, by now the letters are getting to CC because again, doing the math, that's a year. That's over a year. That's over. It's like over a, a year. It's a year right. and nine months actually. Uh, well, no, oh, no I'm no, sorry. No. Yeah. It's a, it's a little, it's a, over, it's a little over a year. Yep. yep. So sorry. Let, I'm going from Florence's death, not right. from his. But, but again, this all happened really fast. Yeah. This is this fast is 18 months, give or take, you know what I mean? Yeah. So, uh, so by now letters are getting a CC. He still has a soft spot for his former slash current mistress. Nobody knows. And, um, with everything she was writing him and probably, you know, his, his survival guilt, uh, he decides to, okay, well, maybe, maybe this will make it up to you. I'm going to give you $2 million. So <laughs> when all else fails, you know, sweet, sweet cash. We'll be right back with more of the mistress reality check list. Welcome back to the mistress reality check list. With everything she was writing him and probably, you know, his, his survival guilt, uh, he decides to, okay, well, maybe, maybe this will make it up to you. I'm going to give you $2 million. So <laughs> when all else fails, you know, sweet, sweet cash. So, <laughs> so sometime, sometime in this, in this time period, Cece, uh, still seeing Betty, they, he, they still have feelings for each other. Things are not what they used to be. He gives her $2 million. And then in September of 2006, so another year, another year, Cece Wang passes away. Um, so when he passed away, he died of complications from pancreatic cancer. I believe I think it was pancreatic or prostate. This guy had kind of a hell of a last two years of his life. Yeah. Yeah. And that's why I say complications from, because I believe he had two strokes. Um, anyway, so he passes away in September of 2006. He has his six homes, as we mentioned before, I'll go over them again with you. Westchester, New York, Westchester, New York, Southampton, New York, Southampton, New York, Palm Beach, Palm Beach, Singapore, Singapore, Shanghai, Shanghai, 740 Park Avenue and 740 Park Avenue, uh, Manhattan, also, New York. <laughs> he also had a boatload of cash. Uh, he owned a golf course and he also owned uh, a really just a priceless collection of art. Um, in his obituary, it mentioned his devotion to all things beautiful, a man mm -hmm. of great insight and wisdom, mm -hmm. and someone who possessed an unfailing passion and respect for life and mm -hmm. all the positions he held in the business world. Mm -hmm. It also said he had honored a lifelong commitment to his beloved wife, Florence, and his family. Lifelong commitment. Let's, and let's dive into that phrase right there. A lifelong commitment. Now, the vows are till death do we part, but was it his lifelong commitment or her lifelong commitment? I'm guessing mm. it was Cece's because <laughs> somehow in their commitment, it sounds like I shall take no other but you, period, end of story. But again, that's just me guessing. Mm -hmm. uh, in the obituary, there was no mention of Betty. Surprise. And Surprise. why would there be? There wouldn't be. Uh, sounds like it's written by either Vera or Kenneth. Or I think it was written by Vera, actually, to be honest, because I think I, there was an article about how she wrote the... Uh, the obituary. Okay. So there's no mention of Betty in the obituary. Mm -hmm. uh, Betty also never got her name in print with a wedding announcement. Oh no. But fear not. She would have her day in print. So <laughs> <laughs> if that's what she was looking for, here it comes. If that's what she was looking for. All so right. Betty then decides to sue Cece's estate and as one would as, and get what she felt was promised to her. Now, mm -hmm. going back to a couple of those letters, you know, she talks about him promising to marry her. So she feels that, you know, Cece over the course of their 26 year relationship, she had been promised things. I got I have a feeling that he was promising her marriage for a very long um, time. I think if you're a woman and this is just, okay, I don't want to sound like, you know, sexist or anything, but sometimes we hear what we want to hear, oh, yeah, that, you know? And true. I think, I think that's, you know, she, I think, I think she heard what she wanted to hear, including, I think she heard that <laughs> <laughs> Cece promised her $10 million and $150,000 a billion year, or million? $10 million, $10 million. a lump sum of $10 million plus $150,000 a year after his death. So hearing what you want to hear, maybe. Um, That's a good thing to hear. When it came to that letter where she basically said, yeah, I'm not going to come after the family, the estate. I'm, mm -hmm. I'm, I'm going to take my bow and let the curtain come down. Um, she said she was under duress when she signed it, which again, I think we could all agree that she probably was. <laughs> it sounds like the most duressful situation. Uh, yeah. Oof. She believed, she stated 
that the letter was drafted by uh, Vera's brother, Kenneth, and also a lawyer. And she believed there was no input from Cece. She believes that that letter was drafted after Cece had a stroke or was ill. And they were just like, okay, we're just going to do this. I think it sounded pretty cold. I mean, that wasn't a very loving letter at all. Yeah. And I also think that, um, I also think that Cece, he had other things to worry about, you know, being on his, what they thought was his deathbed. So, sure. but that's just, that's just me guessing. That's just me guessing. That's very true. I suppose if you're going to, you know, think, oh God, I'm going to die. Yeah. How about we just go, okay. Yeah. Know, let's just, let's, 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 you know, it's like when you're in your end of life stage, it's like, you know, you got to, you know, a, what is it? Uh, do not resuscitate. Do you have a will? All that kind of stuff. Do you, have a letter? Resusc- do you have a letter to your mistress saying, Hey, you get nothing. We're done. <laughs> that's know? a good question for lawyers to ask. Uh, Dan, do you have any mistresses that we need to take care of? Um, uh, no. I would love a lawyer. <laughs> I would love a lawyer to ask that. That's a good question. It's a good question. I mean, because there's no, because then it's like, do you want to provide for your mistress or are you like, you know, drop, might drop him out of here. So, okay. So then, um, so she said that she was under distress when she signed it. She said she did not believe the letter even came from Cece. She felt this was the work of, uh, uh, Kenneth and a lawyer. Um, she also, the, only reason she signed the, the letter at Cece's bedside was because she was getting looks that made her very frightened. The worst one coming from Cece's daughter-in-law, Kenneth's wife, Doreen. Doreen. I think it's really funny. I can't find out, you know, what year Betty Phillips was born in. I can't find out what year, what, what her career was, but I do know that Kenneth's wife was named Doreen and she was like the worst one given looks. Doreen. Just, I get I have this picture in my head of what Doreen That's why I mentioned your name. I think Doreen's a great name, but when you couple it with like, you know, there she is, I could just picture her arms crossed, toe tapping, just glowering, just like, you know. uh, Sign the letter, Betty. So, uh, so Betty decides to file the lawsuit. And despite the fact that 26 year long affair was totally uncontested by Cece's family, uh, they would contest the lawsuit. Vera and Kenneth, uh, were not interested in continuing to support their dad's mistress. They're like, Hey, you had a 26 year run. As we were saying before, mm-hmm. you know, my mom wasn't upset by it. The family wasn't upset by it, but would <laughs> you got yours already go away. So when they finally went to court in 2011, 2012, other than the promises, the verbal commitments, the words, uh, Betty only had one witness backing her story up about it, about the $10 million promise. Okay. And it was only one witness. Um, But she had a witness. She had a witness. Uh, The woman was a stockbroker. She was a friend of her daughter. And the woman testified that CC told her, the stockbroker, that he had created a fund for Betty because he was worried that after his death, his family would blackball her. So we can talk about this later, but if CC said he created a fund, why didn't Betty know about it? Why and if she's a, if she's a financial analyst or, or stockbroker, right. why isn't she saying, all right, well, what, what's the bank? What's the, yeah, password? what's the routing what's number? The, let's yeah. make this happen. Let's, like, let's get the you, 10 million. Can you write now. it down, put it in an envelope for me? Just like, you know, have you told your lawyer? Cause it's attorney client privilege. Your floor, your lawyer doesn't have to tell his family about it. So, uh, so that was her one witness in the trial. Mm-hmm. Uh, testifying for the other side was the Wang family driver, uh, who swore that CC was of sound mind when that letter was given to Betty. He said that CC knew what he was doing. The Wang family driver. Wang family driver. He is called as a witness. In anything, these drivers just must be in the center of everything. You got to be. They are literally in the center of everything. You got to be a, uh, just a lockbox of a human being to be a driver. Cause yeah. they see it all, hear it all. Oof. And, and, you know, depending on, depending on, and, and, you know, if, if he's like the lifelong family driver, the longtime family driver, he has a relationship with the family, whether he's employed by them or, you know, just because you get a paycheck doesn't mean you're not one part of the part of the family. So, um, the driver testified that CC was indeed of sound mind when he gave that letter to Betty. Uh, he was also the one that wired the $2 million to Betty at the request of CC. So that part was not just, uh, uh, what was it? Uh, what would be disputed? Um, the driver did testify, uh, that even though Cece saw Betty after the deathbed Dear Jane letter, Cece was trying to cool down the relationship and end it. So he was trying to exit gracefully. And in a way, I would have to say by giving a woman $2 million, it's, you know, after. Well, he's trying to exit gracefully well, after the, after the ungraceful letter. It's like- right, right. But, but at the same time, you know, when you look at that, this too, you know, the family never said, Hey, 
we want the apartment back. Hey, we want, you know, like they were just like, just go away, Betty. Just it's done. Yeah. Basically uh, everything, it was over, you know, the relationship with CC, uh, CC's life, the relationship with his family, the relationship with his family. <laughs> and it was all over. And it was all over when the court sided with the Wangs. So uh, Westchester County surrogate judge, that's a mouthful, West, Westchester County surrogate judge, Anthony Scapino. The judge um, um, working on the trial wrote in his verdict, it's clear that Cece was very generous to her. She has not proven by clear and convincing evidence that he was obligated to provide a fund for her support. The court also said there was no proof she was forced to sign that letter, a letter that gave up all of her claims to Cece and his estate. Oof. So in the end, Betty would have to walk away, satisfied with what she already had and not think about what she signed away. And that is a story of Betty Phillips and Cece Wang. That's a fascinating story. I know it is. So, okay, let's just talk about then the rules that uh, that Betty did not get right on this one. So yeah, let's so there's a couple here that she really bumbled over. Right. And the, the two biggest ones were do not put your life on hold for him and get all promises in writing. So let's talk about getting all promises in writing. And I'm going to just read you the definition of a promise. A promise is when someone declares or states or assures that he or she will do a particular thing or that they guarantee a particular thing will happen. <laughs> that's a, that actually, that sounds exactly what a, what, sounds what a promise should be. Too. It sounds pretty flimsy. I'm going to declare or state, not guarantees. Not, you know, so. Yeah, that's very true. A promise is not a guarantee. No. No. And Betty, Betty Phillips believed that she had a promise. She believed that she had a promise that her beloved would take care of her after, after he was gone. Or in her case, she believed she had a promise of marriage when Florence was no longer around. Um, and she had a promise from basically a, a, a well-known, respected and honorable businessman. And, you know, so while she's thinking that plus the love of her life, one might say, right. um, uh, my problem here too is that if you're if you're in a relationship with a guy like CC Wang, you should be smart enough to know that his whole life is built on contracts, written agreements, yeah, I was not a, handshake deals, not. I was just about to say, yeah, that if he's a businessman, it, I always say, you know, I'm I'm a firm believer in making deals over a handshake as long as that handshake has a strong contract backing it up, because a handshake is is really just a, hand, a handshake it's, is just a promise. It's yeah. And, and we all know what that we've all seen, how good of a promise it is. Yeah. And um, especially when you get other, when you get family members oh, involved with a mistress, it's the, yeah. I mean, it's, it's just combustible AF because you know, they, they don't want to go through this shit. You know I mean? They're they're You know, it, it probably would have been easier had he put something in writing and they would have been like, okay, there you go. You know, I mean, yeah. okay, there it is. Um, if he had done anything, like if he, if he indeed had set up this fund that the stockbroker friend mentioned, that would have been great. If he would have got a letter notarized. And again, keep in mind, Betty also fucked herself because she signed a letter. Yeah, she the, signed a letter. There's a rule that, that you should never break is never sign a letter. She didn't that, get a lawyer to look at it. She, you know, like there was, there was, well, I'm jumping it. We'll get to that letter in a second, but, um, going back to like the fact that here's a guy that his whole life is basically contracts and he's in business and he should, and, and if he really meant what he said, promised, he would have put it in writing. And not, a, but even then put it in writing. What's even better. If you're a mistress and, and uh, your, your dude is promising you money. One thing to get it in writing. The other is, Hey, how about this? Take the $10 million, put it in a trust fund right. for me. Right. Uh, don't even give it to me directly. Right. And on your death, that trust fund can be released. There's ways of handling and or or for the man to show that it's not just a promise. It's a reality. Right. And family, you better get used to it because I promised. Yeah. It's like it, it sits outside of the will. The 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 money is is there for her upon his passing. Exactly. And, and odds are odds are they wouldn't even have I shouldn't say they wouldn't have cared, but they would have been like. Well, okay. I mean, again, the guy left behind uh, a, a huge fortune and Vera Wang was wealthy in her own right. Fun fact, uh, Vera ended up buying Cece's apartment. 
The 740 Park? 740 Park. I believe it was like $23 million. I don't know what year, but I had to be around that time. And that's, you know, that's what family do. It's not like, you know, Kenneth was like, oh, I don't want it. You want it? You want to buy it for me? Great. Here's a price. Let's go. So she ended up buying her dad's apartment at 740 Park. Um, so getting back to uh, get all promises in writing, you know, you know, and it's very, very difficult. I know. To be like, you know, well, you know, you were talking about this and it gets really great if you put it in writing. But at the same time, this is why this podcast exists is because, you know, there's difficult conversations you have with a partner. And, you know, why is why is money or your your preservation or your safekeeping or your future a conversation that we don't feel comfortable having? And and CC Wang had so many lawyers. He was so smart. This would have been easy for him to do and no one would have known even after the fact, yeah. no one probably would have known. And especially in a, in with the age difference too. I mean, he's obviously, what was he 30 years older, 30 years, give or take 30 years. older. And so he knows that he's going to go first. He knows, I mean, this is a relation, a long-term relationship. That's the other the thing that can't be overlooked is that this is a long-term this relationship. A, this wasn't a year, two months, 18 months. Yeah, it this wasn't was, a flippant little thing. This is, this is a real relationship and he kind of gave up on it uh, well, or, or, or he didn't follow through on some very basic points and it's not like that conversation that they should have had is all that difficult right it because it, it sounds like they kind of had those conversations anyway it's just according that he, to betty they according did according to betty but i mean in 20 plus years if they're not talking about right. it and she I, couldn't get something in writing i mean like even like a hey i had my lawyer draft this will you sign it just yeah. anything anything is better than well, someone heard someone say that this yeah. something was said. If yeah, if Betty could have gone to to the financial or or, or a lawyer or someone and have something drafted and say, "Hey, Cece, sign this sign for this. a notary." Just fifteen years into their relationship, she could have been a little bit more proactive. If they had a conversation about it the day before, she could say, "Hey, by the way, based on the conversation we had, here's this contract. Are you cool with it?" And then then you know then he would have said yes or no, and you figure out another way to do it. So, okay. So getting back to get all promises in writing along that line, but it's kind of a reverse. She got the wrong promise in writing and she signed it. <laughs> <laughs> she, so, did, she did get a promise. It was in writing. So this is That's another, this bad, is, this bad, is bad. under, this is like, this is not necessarily a rule, but when I'm talking about getting all promises in writing, uh, a little subset of that is be careful what you sign. Because if, if he does give you something in writing or she gives you something in writing, um, make sure you read the fine print. You know, make sure that there's things that, you know, you're either signing your life away if you do this or don't do that. And, you know, you, you cannot, you honestly, to make the argument that you signed it under duress is such a hard argument to make because at the end of the day, you signed it. Yeah. And it, yeah, that should be the, the a, a thing. If you're confronted with a contract that you don't like, walk. And dirty looks is not duress. Yeah. You know, duress is if they wouldn't let her leave until she signed it, if they blocked her way, if they, you know, but yeah, if they threatened her life, life then right. there you go. But and to be fair, Betty only said she was getting very dirty looks that made her frightened from which, what was her name? Doreen. Doreen. Well, especially from Doreen, from everybody. But Doreen was yeah. the worst. <laughs> uh, Doreen was like, Doreen had that shit on speed dial. So, um, Get promises in writing and make sure you're not signing the wrong promise. Uh, the other rule that we'll talk about, and this one has, you know, it doesn't seem like a big deal, but uh, don't put your life on hold from somebody. So the two rules that Betty broke were do not put your life on hold from him. Get all promises in writing. We don't know what Betty, and again, because we don't, we don't know what's inside of her, but she had one daughter, Jennifer. Did she want more kids? That's very true. Did she want her career? Did she want to, you know, like at a certain point, like just like Vera, like at, at age 40, did she want to do something different with her life? But no, she was, she was okay. Or she was like, you know, she's like, you know, um, CC's not a young guy and I'm just going to put my life on hold and, and I'm going to live as the other woman. And even if, so if she's going to put her life on hold, if that's a decision that she makes and CC's promising her $10 million at, a, at that point, $150,000 a year as well. Oh, that's right. Let's not forget that. Um, it's pretty easy to go. Okay. I'm kind of sad. I don't, I don't need to do anything else, right. but until those promises become guarantees, right. the, the mistress is then setting herself up for a really crappy time 
because and that's the deeper dive into don't put your life on hold from him, yeah. whether it's, whether it's getting the contract, whether it's having another kid, whether it's continuing on with a career. And, it, and if Cece were to come along and say, listen, I don't want you working anymore. Right. Then she should have said, I don't have any guarantees that. And put it in writing that I, you know, I'm not going to yeah. have a 401k. I'm not, you know, um, yeah. So, so. You know, Mr. Sis would really get like a 401k and health benefits. That's, <laughs> I'm not, that's not a joke. I mean, that is pretty true that's because, you know, it's, it's, it, you know, CC and here's the thing. They had a great 26 year run. CC could have dropped dead four years into the relationship, you know, and then, you know, she was able to create a very decent nest egg for herself. I'm sure she was taking care of, I mean, the $2 million being wired, you know, that's nothing to sneeze at. I mean, that's, you know, anybody would kill for $2 million. And I don't want to hear the argument that she was used to a certain lifestyle. You know, she was doing okay. You know, she had money in the bank. Her kid's education was paid for blah, 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 blah. But, you know, she did put her whole life on hold. And then here's the, here's the other sad part. She felt that, by being the dutiful and loyal and honorable mistress, he would have made an honest woman out of her if anything ever happened to Florence. And there she goes putting her life on hold again. I don't think, I don't think Betty was ever in it for the money. I think Betty truly loved Cece and it wasn't, it was. Yeah, it sounds like they had a really, really great relationship. Great relationship, yeah. There are pictures of the two of them online and this sounds really stupid, but they look very happy together. And, and so I don't think it was ever her intention to milk him. Um, but I think when her time or her turn had come and he was like, no way that stung, then the stroke happened. And then she gets the letter that stung. So I don't want to chalk her up to being like, Oh, a woman scorned. And then she filed this lawsuit. No, there was a couple of things leading up to this, that she was like, what have I done with the last 26 years of my life? You know, I thought we were going to have, I thought we were going to get old together and maybe die together. And if, if that's the way it worked out and she was metaphorically and literally left with nothing. So, um, yeah, so those are the two rules that I think Betty failed on, you know, uh, hers didn't work out horribly. Like her life wasn't left in a shambles. She had money in the bank. Um, her daughter was provided for, she, you know, she wasn't a person left in ruins. So even though it worked out for her in the end, it doesn't for everybody. And that's why it's really important to learn by her example. Very much so. All right, so that's going to do it. That's the story of Betty Phillips and CC Wang. Well, thank you for that one. That was a, that's a, that was a that was a You're welcome. You know, the the deathbed letter is a is Yeah. Yeah. And that flight to Singapore to New York is not short. <laughs> not short. She was probably <laughs> worried and tired and blah. Um, so that's going to do it for this episode. Thanks for listening to the Mistress Reality Checklist. And just remember that even though having a present with a married man is already uncertain, the future is something you can control if you're smart. So until next time, guys. Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to the Mistress Reality Checklist. The Mistress Reality Checklist is produced by This Never Happened and recorded in beautiful downtown Duluth, Minnesota.